Hey everyone, I'm Tyler Butler. And I'm Linda Huang. Welcome back to Don't Call Me a Guru, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. ATB Financial, right, Tyler? Is that... Why is that so sounding so familiar to me well, right I've been, now? I've been spending a lot of my time there lately. You've been spending a lot of time <laughs> at ATV. Why? Can you tell the listeners why? Well, since our last podcast, I have a new role. I've left McEwen University and started a job as social media manager at ATB Financial. This is my third week on the job. It's, Very exciting. Uh, it's going great so far. It's going good. Well, congratulations. Thanks, Lindor. I think you're I think we're going to see some pretty awesome things coming out of ATB now that you're at the the helm of social there. I hope so. Yeah? Yeah. No pressure though. No pressure. <laughs> um I thought it would be cool if we talked about at least to start off sort of what what we look at or how we approach a new social media job since you know ATP is fresh with you like what you're going in how do you tackle uh, their existing social what's what's the process for you yeah it's been neat because I haven't being in-house at McEwen for years I did that job for over four years I just knew all of the moving parts and I knew all the people to talk to about everything and everyone knew me and and uh, and how to reach me and and what kind of stories I was looking for what kind of content I was hoping to share and uh I I think the first step to to rebuild that somewhere new is to just audit everything like okay what what's Mm -hmm. out there how many accounts can I find that have our brand name on them uh there's probably more than you think. <laughs> Do I have uh, admin control over them? Uh, what kind of content are they sharing? Mm-hmm. Getting access to analytics so you can take a look at what's been working and what hasn't been working. So just starting that audit process. But uh, it, it's funny. My approach has been sort of a mix of like what's there and what's been working, but also what can I take with me that I know worked mm-hmm. uh in a different place because audiences can change but mostly like I think we know most socials are going to skew a little younger Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe they'll skew a little bit on the female side from like a a gender breakdown sort of thing Mm -hmm. and uh, you you can bring some best practices with you and maybe introduce some new ideas I love it I, I am really curious about you on the client side though where you're switching clients more regularly Right. Um, yeah, I mean, similar, I would say similar process. Uh, when I get a new social media based client, um, my first question is, well, do you have a plan? Can I see it? Do you know, what are the roles and responsibilities within your team? Do you have multiple people handling it? Does multiple people have the passwords? Like what, what is sort of that workflow? So those are usually my first questions, and then uh, I'll either review their plan. Uh, Generally, when we get hired for social uh, media-related work at Calder Bateman, um, it's it's creating social media plans for very specific projects or campaigns, not necessarily a social media plan for that entire organization. Although, as I go through that process of creating a plan for a campaign, a bunch of things will come up as, well, you should probably be doing this anyways, not just for the campaign, or, you know, you should be tracking this and and that um, I'm I'm still surprised actually how so many organizations still to this day don't have social media plans you come in it's like they're very excited to get going on this social thing and then and then you're expecting to work off work off of or build off of what they've already done uh, but then it comes back as well you know we just kind of do it yeah. <laughs> still to this day um, which and and I mean I think I think I always 
I always prefer working off of or building from uh, existing plans. I mean, starting from scratch is really nice, but um, it's always great to see, uh, like what you were saying, you're bringing your perspective and what's worked from you and then trying to apply it uh, to this already existing following which is kind of nice but yeah the audit uh but definitely i i i want to see well what have you already done what do you think has worked what are the challenges there and then kind of kind of going from there and also you know what can i do or how far how far down the spectrum can i bring ideas and suggestions and and that type of thing that's that's realistic as well for the for the organization because your your role is to like make this one campaign like ultimately right whereas I I find I step in the first thing I think is how can I make a sustainable Mm -hmm. never-ending long-term we share a few things every day Mm -hmm. strategy uh, which is I feel like a niche skill like you've been Mm in-house but I don't think a lot of people are full-time in-house staff yep uh, and it, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And I think that does help. So the experience that I've had uh, similar to you for in-house social, I think I do try to apply that to the campaign approach. That's probably why that uh, comes up so much when I'm like, oh, but but you're not just doing this. Right. <laughs> like just every day. You're not just, you're not just. Just meet the Lindor right. stamp of approval. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But sustainability is totally important too. I think from the client side, jumping in, if it's specific about campaigns, it's also how is are these campaign social media posts and tactics going to work with what you're already well, yeah. posting? Is regularly? the tone the same? T- exactly, to me, yeah. the strength of social advertising is that it doesn't look like an ad, mm-hmm. right? It should be. It yeah. should look like another the post, voice and everything should be quite similar. Yeah. And my strategy at McEwen had become more we supplement campaigns with organic posts that mm-hmm. we promote and we mm-hmm. do a lot less like selling on social we're just kind of like the the tone of the the account becomes part of the campaign yep uh and like but but otherwise you, your ad just looks like oh well that's a weird it's a, <laughs> that's it's totally different out. from this account yeah, i'm following like well, why is that there but then sometimes you find with with campaigns or clients are coming in because they want we want something to look different we want it to feel different we're ready for right. this like exciting new next step and it's sort of then that then the nice part about that content is that it sort of leads in or or launches this new uh personality or or tone for them it wouldn't be like completely far off obviously but yeah so fun so fun so fun (laughs) so what i think we wanted to just talk about some some changes in social and and our perspective on that right for the rest of this this pod yeah this casual pod casual pod thanks for listening guys (laughs) Um. (laughs) Don't Call Me a Guru is sponsored by the Edmonton Community Foundation. They work with donors to establish endowment funds. When these funds reach $10,000, they start providing grants to charities and causes in the community that are important to donors. The way it works is the fund continues to grow and provides grants forever, which is awesome. They have their own podcast called the Well Endowed Podcast. Get it? They have endowments. It's really good. Check it out wherever pods are casted. So Facebook Stories <laughs> uh, yeah. is, is rolling out for pages now. Like, have you tried? Do you have it? I don't have it. No, I don't I've, have I've it just noticed it. And I assume it's only going to be the really big pages. So the page that I noticed was able to do Facebook Stories was The Simpsons. So, so obviously they've got a, a huge <laughs> following online. <laughs> so they... 
and at the same time, this article comes out that they're almost entirely throttling organic reach from pages, right, right, in, right. in the timeline. <laughs> and I saw, I haven't even looked at this yet, but I saw they're testing some kind of new timeline or like explore tab. Do you uh, know anything about yes, that? Yes, but I mean, I feel like I'm less concerned about that because it's still an it's a different page. It's mm-hmm. still not your normal news feed. Okay. Um, but I think that's something that, that I, I want to look into a bit more. But yeah, there's been a lot of talk increasingly about how Facebook is uh, making it harder and harder for that organic reach, which is why most of my strategies today for social media uh, include recommendations for a healthy mix of paid and organic. Absolutely. It, it needs to have paid in order to in order to be successful today. And it's worth the money when you do it right. But, Absolutely uh, but worth yeah, the money. It's, it's pay to play. Uh, so it's funny because I agree that they're throttling down organic and it's really hard, but they're giving you these things like they were pushing Facebook Live really hard. And mm-hmm. now I bet once they, they roll be. that yep. out, the Facebook stories, they'll be, oh, well, you can reach people through the Facebook stories. And we did say on this podcast, stories are an essential skill for social media managers we now. You <laughs> don't know how to make a good Instagram story, Snapchat story. It's going to apply. Messenger story. Stor- <laughs> stories telling applies across platforms. Stories telling. Like, I like that. <laughs> it really rolls off the sun, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'll be curious um, to see how this picks up because just even personal usage, maybe one person out of a, a thousand Facebook friends are using stories. Like, Which, I, like, like, the prominence in your feed, if right you there. are that one person, then people will probably watch it because mm-hmm. it's right there. Why wouldn't they just make Instagram stories and Facebook stories the same thing? Like, they're right. integrated accounts. Mm-hmm. They're connected to one another. Right. Like, who's going to make a second right. story on Facebook? I don't, I don't well, know. Well, but messenger stories are also different than ah. Facebook stories. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Listen, I've mostly switched over to Instagram stories yep. in my personal account now. Uh I still think there's a place for Snapchat, but I I, I don't want to make stories in two places. Yep. Like, hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> or don't hit me up. <laughs> at, at Tyler Jack Butler. That's right. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. Um, and I, I mean, I do think it's kind of weird. Like you mentioned, if that one person is using Instagram or Facebook stories, you would think that that means they're going to get a lot of engagement. But like when I've been experimenting with it, I'm like the only person using Instagram stories and I still get maybe or sorry, Facebook, Facebook stories. Whoa, so many stories. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know which one I'm talking about now. Facebook stories, I still only get like 20 views on a Facebook story. Isn't what? that weird? See, I would have thought it doesn't make you any probably sense. have like... It's that built-in following. You would think if... You, you if, probably have like thousands of friends. <laughs> like you're a, you're a nice person. <laughs> Acquaintances, friends, you know. But you know, you, you saw that shift on Snapchat... You, you, you post your stories, you, you got a certain number of views, and then when Instagram stories started getting very popular, people would start to test between the two, and then the clear, you know, difference was that, whoa, this, this built-in Instagram audience ensures that my story reaches more people and gets more more visibility but so then so then you would think with facebook everyone's on facebook world's most popular social network and everything that that would also carry through but but it's not so i don't know if if Mm. users are just kind kind of like no don't want stories on facebook yeah (laughs) too much it's everywhere i think people use facebook a little differently right like they're not they use it as like a homepage of the internet. Like mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I liken oh, yeah. Facebook to like <laughs> uh, Reddit is going to get very upset. When oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> but you remember like logging into Hotmail? Yeah. Like you had to go to Hotmail.com. 
And you'd log in, you'd get your messages from your friends yeah. uh, in the top right corner. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> and then the rest of the page was like news, mm-hmm. search, like here's what's going on in the world. Doesn't that seem like what Facebook, Facebook is, is right now? Like yep. your messages are your email uh-huh. and then you have this news feed and some of it's driving you out of Facebook. They're encouraging things that don't drive you out mm-hmm. of Facebook, but there's video, there's friends, there's news. Uh, I think people use Facebook a lot, but I just don't think they post to it. They're yes. using it as like a catch yeah, up a sort of thing. Yeah, more of a consuming type of thing. Which is fine. I think if you know that, you can position your content with that in mind. Uh, or it's fine from my perspective anyway. <laughs> I mean, Facebook might think differently. Uh but, like, do people post stories in that environment? Like, I right. get it on Instagram. People are posting with their lives. They're going there to, mm-hmm. to post lifestyle stuff and, mm-hmm. and humor. And that, that's what funny people like me call jokes <laughs> is humor. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> Humorous content. But whether or not they do that for Facebook. I mean, I think to a certain degree still, for sure. But, yeah. Hashtag humor. Everyone, hashtag humor after you listen to this pod. Hey everyone, this is Carl Landry, one of the co-hosts of the Fourth Line Hockey Podcast, another proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Before we get back to this great episode of Don't Call Me a Guru, I wanted to let you know about our show. We're a weekly hockey podcast. We talk about the general news of the NHL, and we have a lot of fun with it. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're always getting you up to speed on what's been happening in the NHL that week, our thoughts on it, and as well, we always just try to have some contests, try to get you as most involved in the show. We'd love if you would check us out. You can find us on Twitter, at Podcast or our website, thefourthlinepodcast.com. And now, back to the show. So, Linda, since our last podcast... Something crazy happened on Twitter, which is some accounts were expanded to a 280 character count. Whoa. 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 And I saw people, like, you know, like local tweeps. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> got, uh, got it. They got like, that. it's an accessible yeah. thing. It's a slow rollout, and, and, and I'm jealous of the people who have it, actually. I don't want it. I want it. I think it looks weird. It does look weird, but I think it looks weird right now because not everyone has it. I think it looks weird, <laughs> and I think the beauty of Twitter is its succinctness. It's the conciseness, for sure. It's the idea that greatness, like creativity, is born of limitation. Right. Right? You have to restrict that character count to get those genius sure. tweets. Because the 280 ones I'm seeing look like it's novels. Like, it looks like essays. It does. And you know what? If you want more than 140 characters... Take a screenshot of your notes app. <laughs> like, it's not it. that hard. I mean, but I don't know. See, this is kind of how I approach it is because you have the 140 characters and then you have things like threaded tweets that people were doing their little Twitter essays with right. things as well anyways. And they were they were trying to, they were people were getting around the character limit to begin with, you know? And you know, it was still short bursts, but altogether, if you think about it, it's very long tweets that people were sending about a certain a certain topic. Instead of fixing the, the number of characters, they should fix how threaded tweets work because I think it's a gong show <laughs> like it just it, at least like indent the replies or something like it's just it's so hard to read those things I mean instead of that I'm still waiting for an immediate edit button for like quick typos you know like oh, yeah. oh god like how many times that I'm like shit and then I like delete it and when you're running like a brand's account 
<laughs> with when you even have followers, like you post something and you're They're like, well, like, 300 people just saw that. right? Uh, you're like, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Especially like when you have the type of audience that'll just call you out right away. Yeah. Like, oh, way to spell them wrong. <laughs> like, obviously, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how it's being used. I have a reporter friend um, and, and I have a background in, in traditional media as well. So, so I've seen her using the 280 characters uh, to be able to to be able to tell a fuller uh, story at a breaking news situation. Um, and then she's really found that to be helpful. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it does look really long right now, but I assume it, it'll be like, you know, when Facebook kept changing the look of its news feeds, everyone riots at, at first. This looks terrible. Why would they do this? And then. I guess I always think of Twitter as like headlines, right? Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you need more text than that, you would write it in a blog or do a video, like talk into the camera and post that or do a periscope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think what did Jack, what did good old Jack say about the 280? Actually, I think it was driven by other countries using Twitter and their character limits. Oh. Because when they actually, like when the Japanese use characters, like there, it takes way more characters in Japanese to say a sentence than in the English equivalent. Um, I believe is why why they were looking into that, but you know that's not helpful for North America. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, and I feel kind of stupid. <laughs> no, it's like, like, oh yeah, that people speak sense. other languages. <laughs> there are other characters Shit. to factor in. <laughs> Just when you think you're getting woke. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Let's talk about Snapchat. Yeah, let's. Snapchat <laughs> is the number one app for teens, yeah. says recent study. Recent study. <laughs> you could probably pull that, you know, from last year as well. <laughs> Same recent study would have said that. I actually think Snapchat and Instagram are constantly fighting for the youth title, right? Right. So, so. See, I don't think of Instagram as youthful. Like, I think kids use it, but, like, right. I, I think our the key demo there is, like, mid-20. Like, right. Or do you only think that, though, because that's sort of generally the demo that you've been that's marketing to? <laughs> that's it. ATV and McEwen. <laughs> well, McEwen's a younger skew, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, that wasn't surprising uh, to see that teens are still using Snapchat and prefer Snapchat. Um, I think when I saw that, my first thought was, I hope that organizations and marketers don't take that to mean oh well i gotta i gotta be on snapchat for the youth definitely not what that means no because <laughs> youth are using the youths god i feel old every time we talk about youths yeah <laughs> they are using snapchat as but soon they... as you start analyzing youth demographics that's when you know <laughs> that's when you know you're old, you're old. <laughs> youth do not want to engage with brands on snapchat <laughs> Generally, I mean that's a broad stroke, yeah. but you know we talked to my my cousins in that fun podcast that people should listen to if they haven't yet about teens on social media. But that's just not what they're that's not what they're on the app for. I know? do think there's a place to be entertained by brands, mm-hmm. or maybe like uh, be exposed to the lifestyle of mm-hmm. the brand kind of thing. But certainly, like selling on Snap is not right. That's not what it's there for. We, a lot of people still think of social as purely just... It's like that thing that you check off in your... I'll 
broadcast to this. Yeah, or okay. like just the top of the funnel. Yeah. You know, like okay, yeah. get them from here to the blog, and what's well, you get you have to give them an experience on social. They've got to there's got to be a unique thing for sure. It's got to be fun and that effort. Uh, but I agree. Just because there are teens there, don't go to Snapchat unless you have a plan and mm-hmm. time and resources. It takes a lot. Uh, but you know that the Snapchat account in McEwen was was very healthy. Is mm-hmm. very healthy. Mm-hmm. Really depends on your industry. Yeah, and we've been tossing around some ideas at ATB. But again, like just with an awareness of how much time I put into that account, mm-hmm. it'll be it's hard to justify, especially yeah. when you have something like Instagram where you where you see clear uh, performance and engagement, and and the content can be so similar to what's on Snapchat. Do you think that geo filters have been working well for you? On Snapchat? Um, I think it depends on where it's placed and intention. I actually had this conversation with uh, someone recently. Um, drop the name. <laughs> I'm not dropping any names. Name drop. <laughs> but it was sort of like, okay, well, we've got this Snapchat filter. Uh, it's a location filter. We can't do lenses because, God, no one can afford lenses. Maybe ATV would be able to afford a lens. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. Provincial (laughs) bank over here. Um, But yeah, so we do these filters. You know, it's designed in a way where, in theory, it would be great if people would use it. You know, we want you to use it. But ultimately, sometimes it's like, is that the goal though, or is the goal just uh, awareness? I mean, you design it so that it looks cool, and if they use it, that's great. But um, our goal, for example, for this campaign that I'm thinking of, uh, was more to broaden the awareness of what we were talking about right and getting into that swipe you know uh location for that specific demo paid off in that sense but i've done snapchat filters i think we've discussed this i've done snapchat filters where it was in a location that was not you know predominantly let's say youth uh, you know, young people aren't really there a lot. And then like an there old was... folks home? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm saying like a park, okay? <laughs> okay. Like a park. Let's say yeah, you pick kids a hate park. parks. You're great, right? <laughs> 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 okay, this is, this is what I'm trying to say. You take a Snapchat filter, you place it at like something like a high school or a post-secondary. Makes a ton of sense. Right. People are going to use it. You You probably don't even have to advertise that there is a Snapchat filter there that people can use because those audiences there are going to be doing that behavior anyways, opening Snapchat, swiping through it. You pick like a random park in the city. If there's no other promotion anywhere else that there's this Snapchat filter at this park, probably most of the people using this park aren't going to be like flipping on their phones and looking to see what park filters there are. So kind of approaching it that way is something that I've recently... Depends um, how shitty the park is. <laughs> it's going to be a really nice park. <laughs> it's just some grass with a bench. Like There's a lot of Snapchat going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I found it to be affordable enough where it makes sense to try if the demo makes sense um but also i think in order for it to be effective you really need to be thinking about if people are um where you're going to place it are they Mm -hmm. just naturally going to be using it anyways or then if they're not are you going to be putting other promotions around or or something to raise awareness of the fact that there is a snapchat uh, geo filter there for them and you need that uh you need that promotion aspect right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that can be the mc saying we've got this geo filter everyone post it can be 
a commemorative, like uh, an examples convocation Mm -hmm. when I was at McEwen. Uh, People are going to be taking photos that day. They're going to be using social. Your job is to direct them into the channels you want them to use. Using other social networks to promote to that fact, if that's... Yeah, or contesting. And that contest can be as simple. Like, I've literally ran, like, use this geo filter and you could win. Yeah. That's uh, it. That's all end you of sentence, and you'll get uh, 200 <laughs> responses kind of thing. Everyone wants to use it. <laughs> They're like, what do I win? <laughs> yeah, which is great. Uh, but I've I've found even at places where there's lots of youths. The youths. If you don't promote it in some way. Then it'll fall flat. And I don't sure. know if that just means that people need to be incentivized to use it once mm-hmm. they've seen it, or if just fewer people than you think are doing that swipe behavior. Yep. Because I, I think people are using Snap a little bit differently. Like, I think it's a, back to that one-to-one. Totally. Back to They're that, using like... It to text now, right? A, and it's still something that, like, olds don't understand. The parents don't use. Like, mm-hmm. and that's... You, there's infinite value in that if you're a teen right like uh there are not a lot of brands there they're not there's not a lot of oversight less invasive so i I don't know if the the usage is getting more nefarious maybe it's somewhere you don't want to be but uh but they're still using it yep still using it and then just in terms of effectiveness for sure um like being really strategic about where you're placing it why you're placing it and and who who that end uh, or what that end goal is for for the people that are that are in that filter area. Also, did you know? I just uh, I I mapped this out. This is what I love. Also, actually, as a tip for like community managers, social media managers is, and this is something that I don't like. As I find, as you become more like in the strategizing mode and less in the tactical executions and playing around mode, you lose this. In that, I was just you know one morning I'm like. I'm just going to really just play around with all these different filter options. I'm like, can we do a location filter for all of Edmonton? Can, you know, how much would that cost? Oh, so I'm just playing around with it. And then you find out that actually, no, like Snapchat has a, a square footage limit. Um, you, oh. Yeah, right? But you wouldn't know this unless you're actually getting in it and clicking around. And so that's why I still love doing that. Right. You're not just putting that line that says, right? like, Snapchat geofilter. For you, the whole city, right? Dig, you're digging around. Yeah, 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 but you're actually doing it. So I found out that they have a maximum square footage. I believe it's 50 million, which sounds like a lot. Um, but But it's really not if you look at the map of Edmonton. So you'd need, like, 10 to 15 of those in order to fill the whole city for so the whole day. it's more ward-sized right? than city-sized. Yeah, sized. it's like wards. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it can, and then it climbs up, obviously, like into the thousands or not hundreds of thousands. They can get expensive. <laughs> oh, they can get so expensive. Well, that's what I mean. I had someone who was like, oh, well, you know, like those are cheap, right? Like we could just do the whole city. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know like you've probably heard there's $5 filters for your birthday. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the time aspect, like I remember you at Nate trying to make that week week long. And I was like, oh my God, we can't afford this. And anytime, like uh, going back to convocation, that's a three day event. But I, it was three different filters where I was running it for these six hours, these six hours, these six hours, because you pay for the time it's not being used. Yeah. So it ends up being like, like you'll have, so I, so I just did uh, actually a whole series for uh, a post-secondary, but I won't name it. <laughs> but I had to like go in and, you know, it's a lot of, you've really got to break it up if you want to uh, have different times, different days, and then also not waste your money on hours that people wouldn't be using it. Well, anyway. I'm surprised you didn't know that, Harvard. <laughs> 
nice. Do you want to talk about uh, my exciting project? Well, my exciting project. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes, tell us more about your exciting project that involves artificial intelligence and such, right? <laughs> well, far from my project because it launched the week I was <laughs> I started. That means so. you can take credit for it, I think. Full credit, <laughs> right? yeah. I didn't even share the post uh, the <laughs> on social, but something really exciting at ATV uh, is this: the launch of this uh, this chat bot on uh, Facebook Messenger, which you can talk to it through Messenger. And, and through like the ads about it, you can just go right through from the send message if they see that Facebook ad. Which I, I finally which I, got to use the send message. Right, ad. I want to use it so bad. Oh, I've been wanting. <laughs> I swear to God, every campaign I made like, for, oh, and maybe. for the last year, I'm like, what if the call to action was just send, send message? message? And they're like, no, no. we want to send to the website. I know. I keep this is oh, this is the struggle. So you're living the dream right now. Living the dream. Honestly, I saw that and I was like, God damn it. (laughs) Because because I had, and you know, like, obviously we're not recommending chatbots just for the sake of recommending chatbots. You know, it needs to make business sense. So there's been like two clients where I've like, I've recommended it very seriously. I'm like, I really think that this would make a difference for your organization. And also it would be innovative and interesting. And like, and that's the story right now is we're we're the first bank in the world. That's so cool. To launch this. Cause you can, you can transact with this just by speaking to it. You can check your account balances and send each, transfers and pay bills so it, in some ways it replaces some of the functions of like your mobile app or, or your desktop mm-hmm. experience but it just feels so much more like I love it's that personalization but through this this automation which really really works but I think is hard for for a lot of organizations to get their head around too They're like whoa 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 yeah right? and, and it's Robots. great technology I have no idea what the cost or anything was but I know we partnered with with a company and I yeah. think you'd have to because they're very comfortable I mean, you're, yep. you're building artificial intelligence, so yeah, yeah. I assume you hire God. I mean, I looked into it uh, when I was going down the path for one client and kind of narrowed it down to three different uh, chatbot like vendors, developer vendors. And now they're like their own agencies, like mm-hmm. this artificial intelligence or chatbots or, or assistance, virtual assistants. Um, so interesting. But yeah, it can get very expensive, but also they can do simplified versions or phased in versions. Or what I loved was like you could have, there was one that did, you could, if you had a chat bot and you were running like online ads around the internet or on certain whatever websites you're on, the ad itself could open up like the actual message. Like it wouldn't mm. necessarily need to go to Facebook, but you could be having that conversation. That was cool. There was one where, I mean, uh, similar to what you're saying, you can e-transfer and all of that stuff. The business case was this one uh, organization had a ton of forms and, you know, it's just really uh, bogs people down, but you could like make this chatbot More integrate. Like bots so that- people down. <laughs> It bots people down, but you can make it so that you would be filling out this form as you answer questions to the chatbot, and then it would basically spill out your completed form for you, and you would never have to like print out your PDF and like. That's awesome. I know it's like it's so cool. So yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool that ATB is doing that. Yeah, it's really neat. I think from the social manager side, it's a really interesting experience because. I would get a lot of Facebook messages. I'm not sure 
HTV was getting a ton of them, but like McEwen got a ton of Facebook mm-hmm. messages. So Snapchat maybe isn't where people want to talk to brands, but Facebook definitely yeah. is. Yeah, you get a lot of customer, customer service, service stuff. Yeah. You get a lot of questions. You get a lot of kind of uh, mm-hmm. like leads coming to you mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm interested in this product. So the chatbot actually, uh, or the virtual assistant is the yeah. name. Uh, it's like will try to answer any questions it can. If it can't, it actually kicks you over to the office in Calgary that is the client care center, which is this amazing, like these people are uh, consistently trying to go above and beyond, uh, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. But it it actually kicks me out of the process, which is neat because I found my role was often just conduit of information. I would screen cap it, email it it to the expert, the expert would email back and I would translate it into something that fit our tone. Mm -hmm. Now I'm out of that equation and I actually think it's a better experience for uh, for the customer. And a better use of your time. Better use of my time. My my job now is to create content, to manage the page, to make sure everything's running smoothly. Uh, But that customer service side. So smooth. uh, Unless you're in a very, maybe a smaller company, I'd kind of have a hand in every role. Um, But even after years at McEwen, I'd get questions every week. I had no idea how to answer. I don't know. Uh, And this makes this very smooth experience where I don't have to train these people how to use Facebook. This tone and this. Right. They just get a call like they normally would and they figure it out, which is awesome. I I found the same sort of thing for Twitter because you can do Twitter bots, Twitter message bots as well. Um, And I just, it was so interesting. I tweeted. Why can't I target by age on a Twitter ad? Because I ran into this problem. Uh, and then I tagged the Twitter support, ad support. They instantly replied back. So I'm pretty sure it was a bot. But then they were like, please send us a private message and we will like sort this out for you. Ooh, so sliding I, into DMs. Right? So, they, so I, they slid into my DM. <laughs> <laughs> but then like, but then they're like, it was like it was it felt personal it still felt personal yeah. but like from probably because i'm in the industry i was like analyzing it more than what a normal person would but they were like giving me these button options and then at some point it must have switched because my question was too complicated and right. i'm sure the very same thing someone must have popped in and started because i was like that's very complicated response for a chat <laughs> i just but, think that's good that's a good experience yeah, like you're yeah, having i a, felt really good about it and even if it was a person you're talking to like they're trying to represent a company yeah. like and i think people and, and bots do the same job <laughs> like as as well as each other yeah. trying to speak as like a corporate voice for like sure. you're kind of talking in a forced like even talking to a person on like a Mm-hmm. your cell provider's website or something like it's, it's a it's, weird it's conversation it's a bit more formal yeah um, but For I don't sure. know that sounds like a smooth experience it was so smooth and I was like I'm sure this is a chatbot augmented by customer service so that's the thing too I feel like a lot of organizations are still fearful of chatbots so it's like ooh but you know is it going to replace humans mm-hmm. or like what about our staff but it's more of like a no now uh, to your point your staff can be focusing their efforts on you know what they do best or be more efficient on about this or you know just better use of everyone's time I think it's amazing a lot of people are using it a lot of people are curious about it and trying it out and uh, ultimately like that makes our page a hub of activity again mm-hmm. so which is exciting uh, people are going to come to our Facebook page and see what's going on uh, I think I think it's good for everyone so yeah just uh, it's it was a neat way to start the new job it's just like oh hey wel- welcome by the way we've uh, we've done we've built this like world a, we've built a yeah. world changing technology <laughs> and we're launching it like right now <laughs> like, oh cool thanks I think that's so cool too that 
you know and we've so we've discussed this too is how we find sometimes that organizations and brands are always like a year or two or more behind a feature that is already now old like you know live streaming everyone's like waiting uh to experiment with it or to see what the success stories are before they live stream Mm. like all that kind of stuff i'm just like sometimes it's like if you if you can make a business case for it if you can make the strategy and the plan to fit with your business and your organization and why you would do it then just be the first one like there's so much value in being the world's first virtual banking assistant bot or whatever you guys are calling it but that's and, so and valuable. you have leeway to screw up right because you're the first so it's okay it's cool and it's okay <laughs> be the first one let's make that the last thing thanks for listening to don't call me a guru uh music was by doug hoyer graphics if you've seen them are by rory lee He's amazing. <laughs> Doug was in town recently playing with a, a string quartet. I hope you were at that show. It was amazing. Thanks, Karen Unlin. Thanks, Alberta Podcast Network, comma, powered by ATV. <laughs> Talk to you next month. Peace. <laughs>